The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. The Pre-Med Year, session number 429. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me today. If this is your first time joining us here on the pre-med years, welcome. You're in for some breaking news in the pre-med world. If you have joined us for a while, welcome back. Thank you for taking the time to, to listen. Uh, I'm excited to be working on my next book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Application. I'm submitting the transcript to the publisher in the next day or two as this is coming out. And uh, I've already started to get some drafts of the new cover and what that's going to look like and much more. So stay tuned for that. That should be out hopefully April or May, maybe a little bit sooner if I can get it in my hands and potentially mail them out myself. But uh, I'm excited for that. But today I have... Uh, good friend Enrique on from TMDSAS. And we're going to be talking about TMDSAS, kind of what it is and why it's different and some of the differences, because some of you may be applying to TMDSAS who maybe would have never thought about applying to TMDSAS because Baylor College of Medicine is now part of TMDSAS. Baylor has historically been part of AMCAS, uh, but starting in 2021-22 cycle, the Baylor College of Osteopathic Medicine is now part of TMDSAS. We're going to jump all in on that and much more with Enrique right now. Enrique, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Dr. Gray. Um, Dr. Gray. What are you, Dr. Gray? It's just Ryan to you. I have to be formal for all the pre-meds to show some respect, (laughs) but, you know, offline, I'll be like, hey, Ryan, what's up? (laughs) What up, dog? (laughs) Um, So I think this is one of my first kind of breaking news podcast episodes. Breaking news, right? Insert the little little clip there. Um, Baylor College of Medicine which is in Texas, but is a private school. Historically, the application was through AMCAS, the American Medical College's application service, is now through TMDSAS. Yeah, breaking news hot off the press. We announced earlier this month. Yeah. So historically, what I have always said, and, and maybe you have always said as well, is TMDSAS is the application for public Texas medical schools, right? And obviously dental schools and and other schools, but for for our purposes, public Texas medical schools, right? But now now we can't say that anymore. It's public Texas medical schools and Baylor College of Medicine. We could say publicly funded. Publicly funded, yeah. 
Baylor actually does receive state appropriations. Okay. Uh, they have for a, a long time now. They're actually um, up for similar law. You know, everybody's very familiar with the residency law down here in Texas. Where I, I wouldn't say that everyone's familiar with it. Talk about that. Yeah. So in Texas, you know, we love uh, Texas people going to Texas <laughs> schools, becoming Texas doctors, serving Texans. You're very Texas. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and we eat their Texas-shaped waffles. And so, yeah. um, you know, what we do here in Texas is that they uh, subs- the Texas legislature actually subsidizes medical education. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, the, the, other, the other shoe that drops is that they have limits to how many um, folks they can accept outside of Texas. So yeah. 90% of the class has to be from Texas. I believe the law is formally like no more than 10% maybe from out of state, Correct. which is that that number might move a bit. Baylor has a similar law because they do receive state appropriations. Uh, and I believe, uh, actually, I'm not going to speak on that. <laughs> you have a similar law uh, and it's listed on their website. Uh, I believe last time I checked it was about 70%. Yeah. Uh, and you can take a look at their application statistics and it'll reflect a number yeah. around that, that area. Yeah. When when we were talking the other day, when this news broke, um, I did not know that they had that uh, that law. And, and you had shared with me the law was 30% out of state. So different than the public schools, which are capped at 10%. Uh, the, the MSAR data shows that their last class was about 20% out of state. So they are very Texas friendly, even though they're a private institution. So it's one of those kind of exceptions to the rule that as a private institution, they still have in-state bias. And and part of that, it comes to find out, is they get some funding from the state of Texas. Exactly. So it's very interesting. Um and it's it's not unusual, right? So the the whole public funding part is not unusual for public institutions. There is a difference between public tuition and private tuition, largely because for every state, largely be, because the the state will pay that difference in tuition costs between public and or or resident and non-resident students. And so there's always a little bit of bias and always an asterisk, right? Because there's always exceptions. Um, There's always a bias for public schools to want to train, obviously accept and train in-state students. Texas just seems to be the outlier with the most strict kind of 10% cap on on out-of-state residents. Talk about, I I think historically, uh, as students know, to apply to Baylor, going through AMCAS, uh, they know AMCAS, they're familiar with AMCAS. There are going to be a lot of students now who are going to have to familiarize themselves with TMDSAS. Talk about some of the biggest differences right off the bat that students are going to notice because they're going to go to TMDSAS now to apply to Baylor, which is probably the only school maybe that they'll add to their list in, in TMDSAS. Talk about those big differences. So hopefully I don't get in trouble by going off too far into how how amazing TMDSAS is, <laughs> better we are, and how we predate AMCAS and all the other application services. Uh, but essentially, you know, I think the similarities are it's a much longer list. You have your essays. We're asking, you know, why it is you want to pursue this career. We're asking what you've done along the way. 
Um, you know, we ask for your activities that you've completed. There isn't a limit on the TMDSAS uh, application, as you see on IMCAS, on activities that you can enter. We still ask you to identify your top meaningful activities. Um, you know, you send in transcripts. We have letters of evaluation that you submit. It's very similar. The key differences are going to be in, your, in the price. Uh, for TMDSAS, <laughs> we have a flat rate price. Uh, where you apply to one school or you apply to all 19 institutions. If you are just like a superstar who prepared to become a, a pre-med and a pre-vet and a pre-dent at the same time and you want to apply <laughs> to all the schools, it's going to be that one flat rate fee, uh, which is currently set at 185. Uh, and so that, I mean, when you when you hear a number like that, that's cheaper than a lot of national secondary <laughs> applications. So that's going to be the, the key factor. And, and I think that's one of the things that Baylor's most excited for in terms of providing service to students. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where Team DSAS and Baylor kind of align because with Team DSAS, we really strive to provide a service. It's, it's so much more than just, you know, this is the application service and that's it. You know, we actually want to go out of our way to make sure that each one of the students that is going through the application service is supported. We have a team of applicant liaisons that is super committed to making sure that applications are processed in a timely manner. If there are any issues, we connect with you right away. Uh, and there's just like a really, uh, you know, Southern comfort, texas -y touch that we <laughs> put to each person's application. Uh, and so really our, our end goal here is to make sure that we're providing, you know, that this is, you know, this is something that you all have worked for for years. Uh, and this is just kind of like the last hurdle before you actually get through to going to medical school or other professional schools. And so we just want to make sure that the experience is as helpful to you, is efficient to you. Uh, and on our end, we want to make sure that we're providing an accurate and speedy service that is at a competitive price. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I think the the best thing you can do to make it more Texas is uh, every student who applies gets their choice between a lifted four by four truck, uh, or a Colt 45. One, one of those two, two things, um, that will armadillo <laughs> or pet an armadillo. There we go. Um, yeah. that's, that's the new mascot for TMDSAS. All right. So, so you talked about the, the fuzzy things that are, that are great about TMDSAS. Let, I want to talk about the nitty gritty, right? There, there are some differences that students are going to have to get used to. The personal statement has less characters, 300 characters less. The extracurricular activities, right? The activity section, while yes, it's awesome that it's unlimited, there's only 300 characters to that compared to 700 for AMCAS. And the way that I like to tell students is use that space to kind of expand on who you are and tell your story. You can't do that in 300 characters. It's impossible. Um, so that's, that's a big bummer, unfortunately. Um, but there's a non-traditional essay. There are the most meaningful essays. Again, they're, they're smaller, 500 characters versus the 1,325 that you get on Am, uh, on AMCAS. But, uh, the price is definitely much, much nicer. So, so there are some differences for students going to the TMDSAS world. Talk about yeah, the, yeah. go ahead. Actually, sorry, could I speak to like yeah. why those prompts are shorter? Because we have definitely brought it up with our um, our council of all of the deans at all of our participating schools, you know, pointing out that, hey, it's a lot shorter. So do we increase the amount of characters, but particularly for the activity section? I mean, in yeah. 300 characters, uh, if you know, that's barely the title of your research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and so we really have tried to go back to the deans and, and really the key issue there is that they want you to communicate uh, what you need to say in, as effectively as possible. We could give you 10,000 characters and that might not be enough. We could give you X amount of characters. And so really the key with a team to say's application is to be concise and to really hone in on your message. Uh, and we've had a, a series of podcasts on the Inside Health Education podcast, which is part of this network, uh, where we go into detail and talking about, you know, what it means to really be deliberate with what you're saying in your statements, uh, with using the activity section efficiently and what the schools are looking for. We've had courage sessions uh, where we invite the, the member institutions to talk about how they look at applications. And so really, it, it, it's not so much that we provide less space, but it's more that the schools are looking for a really concise and clear message from you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, all right. The the other really big difference with the TMDSAS application is the pre-match and match process. Students yeah. who are, are going to apply to medical school maybe only apply to TMDSAS because of Baylor now are going to be exposed to this new language. And it's it's funny, with my new application book, I was just sharing um, uh, sharing the book with with a very prominent pre-health advisor. And she's like, I've never heard of this match process. What, what is this thing? Uh, explain to a student what the match is in terms of applying to medical school in Texas. Sure. And that's my nightmare scenario, by the way, <laughs> when somebody doesn't know about it, because it means I'm not doing my job well. Um, so the TMDSAS match, essentially what we do is at each one of the schools where you interview at, uh, you have the ability to go into a pre-match, uh, which essentially is an offer of acceptance before the TMDSAS match happens. So this period extends from uh, during the fall. This past application cycle for EY 2021, it started in mid-October and ran through the end of January. Uh, and so during that match period, essentially, you could continue to get offers of acceptance, which makes you, uh, the Team DCS schools competitive or comparable to the national schools. The Team DCS match proper takes place this year is going to take place uh, at the beginning of March. Uh, and essentially what students do is that you list all of the schools that where, uh, where you've interviewed. Uh, and you create a list uh, that has all your preferences. So you say, you know, this school is number one or this school is number two. Uh, and the schools are doing the same thing with all of the applicants that they've interviewed. Uh, and so they have a list of the, their top students. Ideally, you know, fill up their class or have some folks ready in the in the back and uh, to kind of continue backfilling any spots that become available. The DMDCS match takes those two buckets and puts them into an algorithm and just matches you to the school. Uh, it is very similar. Uh, eerily similar to the <laughs> National Residency Match Program. Uh, it's the same algorithm uh, as far as I know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak to that uh, specifically, but it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, and essentially what it does is it allows the schools to extend offers of admission to a huge amount of students in an equitable way. Uh, and so the majority of of uh, offers of acceptance are going to happen for medical applicants through the TMDSAS match. Now, the, all the, all the uh, fine print for the TMDSAS match, you do have to be a Texas resident to participate in the TMDSAS match. If you are an out-of-state applicant, 
Uh, you actually go through the rolling admissions process as you would with any other application service. Uh, and then of course you have to have been interviewed at a school to be able to rank them. You can't just go in and say, oh, well, these three schools are the top ones, and you just never received an interview offer. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a really great way to kind of like go through the admission cycle. It allows the schools to kind of set the size of their class early on and admit a good chunk of them early on. Uh, and on the students, and it, it also kind of keeps you in play. So if I could run through a quick scenario here yeah. where... Ryan, you have, oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Gray has uh, a pre-match offer at uh, school one. Uh, let's let's do school two. So you have a, you, you interviewed at school one, you have a pre-match offer at school two, and then you interviewed at school three. Obviously the pre-match offer essentially is telling you, we're ranking you high enough on our list where if you rank us high on your list, we can match you. But you still want to keep school one and three in play. Okay. So you can actually rank those schools higher on your list. Uh, and on match day, you're guaranteed to at least match to that one school. But those other two schools are ranked higher, which allows the algorithm to kind of preference those in such a way where you might be able to match there, depending on how the school's lists are. We have a ton of different scenarios that we run through in a match video that we have on our website. Yep. Uh, at tmdscs.com, just go to the medical section, and we have a whole section on the TMDSCS match. Because there are a few strategies on there. Uh, a lot of misconceptions as well. Essentially, there's no game to play here. Um, just match the schools as you wish uh, to go to them. Uh, if yeah. there's a school you don't want to attend at all, uh, withdraw your application and allow somebody else to come in. The second thing uh, for the match, the match is not the last state that somebody could re receive an offer of admission. There's a lot of movement that happens afterward. When somebody gets admitted, they get cold feet and they decide not to go there or they get a they get a better offer somewhere else. There's just a ton of movement that still happens after the match. So the match is a huge event, but it's not the final day at which you can receive an offer of admission. Do you know what percentage of the class the school fills through the match versus through the, the pre-match offers? I would have to speculate. We haven't gotten that exact number. It's actually one of the research questions we have for this year. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting in, in that match video, I, I recommend everyone go watch that. Who's who is in state, who's going to participate in the match, uh, and, and who's going to be affected by it. It's, it's a good video. I watched it for, for the book that I'm writing about the application process. The, the one thing that's interesting, right? That whole, there's no game to play there, there, you have to be aware of it though, because you may mess up and go, well, I got a pre-match interview or pre-match offer at, at school two. And so I need to put them number one, but if you put them number one, but you really want to go to, to, to school one, which you rank number two, they're off the list. Cause you, you just said number one, yeah. which you've already received an offer at. Um, and so there, there are, you have to be careful and, and make sure you're doing everything kind of appropriately. Yeah, it's, a it's a really delicate process, but, yeah. um, really that video answers a lot of questions because, you know, just as you mentioned, you could, uh, have a pre-match offer. And you could rank at a higher ranked school, or you might match to a pre-ranked, uh, uh, a pre-match offer school and still be in play on a rolling admissions basis at other schools that you've ranked higher on your that list. That you ranked higher. Yeah. yeah. That, that your rank list is really, at the end of the day, the most important list based on, on everything. Uh, because yeah. if, if you match at a school, every other school below that match is, is basically taken off the list. 
Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I took yeah. away from that video. It sounds like I'm I'm thinking about it correctly. Um, talk about the the timeline in terms of when com- compared to AMCAS, right? TMDSAS. When does it open? When can schools? Uh, when can students submit? What does the verification process look like? Because that's different too. Sure. Uh, so our application uh, will open this next cycle on May first. Uh, and I have some dates that I'm stalling to pull up. Uh, they're not publicly available yet. So you uh, just know that uh, for this application cycle, we're actually going to be um, delaying the time at which you could submit your application, similar to really? other national application services. Uh, this is something that we recently announced, and we will be sharing with the public when our uh, uh, application handbook comes out. Uh, that should come out in the next... Uh, I think maybe around April uh, and it has updated dates for you all to keep an eye out for uh, so you can up- update your calendar uh, and but, uh, the the time that we're going to wait to transmit applications has to do with making sure that we have spring grades available. Okay. Uh, when you submit your TMDSES application, your spring grades have to be posted. Uh, we can't transmit an application without those grades. Uh, and so that delay allows us to be able to process applications at an equitable time mm. for everybody. Otherwise, if you're not taking courses this semester, your application gets to the school before somebody who is taking courses. And there really is no numerical difference between those two applicants. Yeah. Uh, and also, schools really won't be looking at an application and that was submitted on May 1st or May 2nd <laughs> or 3rd or 4th. Uh, and so it, it's kind of like a joint process that we're going through here. Uh, as far as what happens when you hit submit on the on your application, it goes to one of our applicant liaisons, which I mentioned earlier, uh, and it's a team of folks here at Team DSAS where uh, they're actually taking a look at every part of your application, making sure that there weren't any technical issues that happened, checking the logs behind all that. We also go through all of your coursework. Um, Team DSAS requires you to actually go in and code your coursework. So if you have like biology one, it has to be coded as biology. Uh, biology lecture, biology lab. And so it, it could get a little convoluted. Hopefully we get some time to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so they go through and make sure that all of that is correct because that's how we calculate your GPA. So we want to make sure your GPAs are calculated correctly uh, and that your prerequisites are checked off the way that they should be. Okay. Uh, that process at the, at the height of our application cycle, and I'm, uh, is going to take maybe about six weeks. Uh, with what happened with COVID-19 last year, and of course, all of our team working remotely still, uh, that did extend a little bit further, but uh, honestly, it did not uh, get severely impacted, uh, especially with the delay of the application cycle. Uh, This year, uh, the application actually closed on October 30th, uh, and this next year will actually be closing uh, around the same time as well. Uh, and again, all, all the exact dates are going to be up on the TMDCS website. From, from my understanding, the, the, there's one major difference with TMDSAS is that you don't hold applications for verification. You transmit to the schools and then verification will happen kind of as schools are also doing their thing. So they happen uh, in parallel, not in, in serial, if, if we want to bring some physics into this. 
<laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> okay, so so that's a, a big difference. I'm interested. I, I'm I'm very excited to learn that TMDSAS is is delaying the submission date. So um, I'm glad you're telling me again. I'm writing this application book now. It's another edit I have to go make. Um, <laughs> the so a comus will be the only one left where you can open the application and submit it immediately. Although there is still a delay on the back end for a comus before things are transmitted to school. So uh, that's that's some exciting breaking news as well. Thank you for that. Any yeah. other hidden breaking news that you're hiding hey, from Brent, me? I'm taking a look at a presentation we recently <laughs> gave our advisors and uh, checking through. I think that might be the last big one. Okay. Uh, we, as far as the application goes, uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of um, updates to the application relative to um, kind of changes that have been going on and making sure that our mission really fits the application. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a few years ago, we actually added the non-traditional applicants question, which we brought up earlier. Yep. That allows each of you to self-identify whether or not you are a non-traditional student. Uh, and that helps the schools to kind of uh, get a closer glimpse into what your journey's been like. You know, did you you took the scenic route? So what does that mean <laughs> for you in terms of your preparation to medical school? Yeah. Uh, and that those responses have been quite insightful. Yeah. Uh, sometimes somebody will say, "I'm non-traditional because I'm the first in my family to go to medical school," and definitely non-traditional. In, in terms of what that journey looks like, but not necessarily the strictest definition of what non-traditional is. Yeah. And so really what that question, uh, the reason why we don't get more specific on that question is because it's given a lot of insights into uh, an applicant's self-awareness yeah. and you know, whether or not you just want to fluff your application and <laughs> tell something that they already know. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, it's it's really helpful for non-traditional students to really have a, a dedicated space. As you mentioned, you know, uh, character space is very limited on the application. Yeah. This gives them a place where they could actually talk about what that journey looks like. Yeah. So that was a change that happened a few years ago. Uh, last year, we made some changes to be more inclusive in terms of gender and sex options on the TMDSAS application, uh, which was very well received. And we're so thankful uh, for the pre-health community to get all that information out there. There was a lot of educating that happened. Uh, and we're just really excited to be more inclusive of that. Uh, the other change that's happening this year has to do with gendered uh, information related to your family. Uh, and so with, uh, with a Team DSES application, we ask for information about your, your parents, uh, any uh, um, foster parents or step parents, uh, different family situations. And that was previously very, very gendered. Yeah. And we wanted to reflect what actual families look like. So we've removed gendered language around that section and allowed uh, significant people to be added. So if you have a spouse or a partner that you'd like to include who is uh, kind of part of that process, please do feel free to include them. Uh, and this actually works on the back end to give us an insight into uh, your family structure and giving the school some insight into um, kind of the situation that you grew up into. Uh, we do ask some questions about finances uh, related to those questions. And so it, it's all kind of tied into uh, stuff that happens behind the scenes of your application. But at the end of the day, it's really helpful for the medical schools to particularly take a look into your, your upbringing and what got you here. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. All, all those changes that you're making. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of more, more inclusivity, if that's a word. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think is is great. One other huge difference that uh, I forgot to mention earlier is that TMD SAS has two other essays that aren't part of the normal kind of amcastic homeless world. And, and one of them is required and one of them is optional. And the, the reason it popped into my head was students who are, are answering this non-traditional question, right? a lot of, a lot of kind of voices in students' head is like, put an answer for everything, even if you don't think you need to. And so they, they see that and they're like, well, I'm not non-traditional. How can I make myself non-traditional? Cause I need to, I can't leave anything blank. And so they, they fill that out. Um, talk about the, the two extra essays that TMD SAS offers. Sure. Uh, so the other question, the other question that we have has to do with, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have the exact prompt in front of me. Uh, my apologies, but essentially uh, what you bring to the table in terms of uh, uh, life experiences to a, to a professional school. And that question comes across as um, you're essentially, uh, you know, auditioning to be part of this community of this medical school. You know, we particularly now we're hearing a ton of uh, feedback from like, you know, the Harvard alumni from the medical school and all these different alumni groups. And so essentially the question is asking, you know, what do you have to contribute to that yep. based off of your life experiences? I have that it's, exact prompt if you would like it. It's in my book. So I was able to pull it up right here. Perfect. Uh, so that's that's the personal characteristics uh, prompt. And it says learning from others is enhanced in educational settings that include individuals from diverse backgrounds and experiences. Please describe your personal characteristics and then in parentheses, background, talents, skills, et cetera or experiences that would add to the educational experience of others. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and this this prompt uh, messes with a ton of applicants every year mm. because we have that question right there. It, it said diversity. Uh, and a lot of folks come in and say, you know, I'm, I'm not from a diverse background. I don't have anything in particular. Yep. What can I write about? Uh, and that's exactly what the schools are looking for yep. is what makes you an individual? You know, we've heard from AMC about developing the new MCAT to be able to be more inclusive of folks from different backgrounds. Uh, we talk about we don't want cookie cutter doctors anymore. Uh, we want people from diverse backgrounds. And as I mentioned, I was mentioning earlier, we want folks who are going to be reflective of the mission of, the, of these institutions. Uh, and when they are part of the uh, of the institution, not just as a student, but as an alumnus, you know, how are, they, how are you promoting those missions? Uh, and so I, I really encourage you all to kind of take a hard look. And, and uh, Ryan, you've done a fantastic job at helping students really identify what it is that makes them different, what it makes it makes them unique. Because uh, regardless of what background we're all from, we are all coming from very diverse backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if you're a rural student, if you grew up in a place where everybody looks exactly like you, uh, <laughs> that is something that you're going to bring with you. You know, you're in a tank with five other people in a gross anatomy tank, and you're gonna come at different different problems, different solutions in a different way. Yep. And so use this space to really talk about where you come from and what that means, not just to uh, you're becoming a physician, uh, but also what it means to the school. And so that's a really great place for you to tailor your response to the needs of the school. Take a look at those mission statements, the value statements, yep. you know, throw in some of those keywords. Uh, the second <laughs> <laughs> the second uh, essay that we have is the optional essay, yep. which I know everybody hears their college advisor talking about, you know, this is a space you can't leave it blank. <laughs> uh, and I have to have to emphasize that. 
Uh, obviously, there are so many restricted sections in terms of characters on the application. Use the optional essay to go further in depth yeah. on, on so many different issues. You know, if you had a bad semester, this might be a good place to directly address the admissions committee and say, hey, I had a really terrible semester over here, but here's what here's the context that of, of how that happened. And maybe even have a letter of evaluation from somebody that was adjacent to that situation to kind of speak to that. Um, you know, you might need to talk more about why you're a non-traditional student or what journey you took or what it means for you to be working full-time and pursuing this pathway. Uh, and so that's a really, uh, that section is for you to tailor uh, 100% on your end. What is it that you need to tell the schools that you didn't tell them in any other section of the application? Yeah. And that title, that that uh, optional essay is entitled Unique Experience with the Prompt briefly discuss any unique circumstances or life experiences that are relevant to your application, which has not previously been presented. And, and then part of my book here, I said, like many of the optional parts of the application, I would highly suggest you consider this required. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it is a good opportunity, as I talk about all the time, is the application is is your opportunity to tell your story, and this is just one extra spot. And so uh, I'm excited for all of the applicants who now get to peek at TMDSAS because of Baylor going, uh, going through it now. Um, who are going to be able to expand on their story where they wouldn't have been able to do that through AMCAS and who may get a look from one of these schools, whether it's Baylor or another one, where they may not have been able to to really highlight their story on an AMCAS application because of these the, these extra essays. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that we you, you hoped we'd have an opportunity to talk about classifying classes. Talk about that for a second. I'll, I'll give you a second to talk sure. about that. Yeah, uh, so on the TMDSAS website, we actually have a list of every university or college that we've seen in the application processing period. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see UC Davis and we'll see UT Austin and Texas A&M and NYU and Vanderbilt. Uh, and so obviously these schools are huge. Uh, BYU is another big one uh, that we see a lot. Uh, so these schools are huge. We're gonna have applicants that come from there. So we've already evaluated their applications. We've seen their, their uh, courses and we've identified which courses fulfill the prereqs. So you as the applicant can go back through that list and see, you know, uh, you know, Biochem 302, and this is how it's coded on the application. It makes it easier on your end. Ultimately, just do your best uh, to fill that, that section of the application uh, and, and refer to these sheets, but know that they're not finite in terms of what we know. Uh, there are still appeal processes through which uh, somebody can submit an appeal to add a course. Um, sometimes courses change and health professions advisors let us know just to make sure that they fulfill the different topics that our schools have designated to make sure that they fulfill the prereqs. Uh, but it's a really helpful resource for you. Uh, and I invite you to go in and kind of take a look at some of those. Huge word of warning is that these are courses that we've previously seen. So they might be a year, two, five, 10, 15 years old, yep. and your school may no longer offer them or the topic may have changed. 
And in those instances, we urge you to go talk to your health professions advisor to really identify the course that's going to fulfill the prereqs. So don't use this as a way to select courses for future semesters. We use, use it as a, as a tool to help you fill out the application with your existing transcript of courses you've already completed. All right. Last question. All right. AMCAS has and ACOMIS both have fee assistance programs. Mm -hmm. TMDSAS does not. Now, you, you already mentioned the, the fee for TMDSAS is much, much, much lower. There's no individual school additional costs. It's all one flat fee. So just one really comment, not really a question to add on to that, but but one thing for, for students to think about. Um, what else do we need to cover that we haven't covered yet? I do want to point out in terms of the fee assistance program, we have taken a look at it uh, before and recognize that we are by far a lot less expensive, which is why we have not looked at other options like fee assistance programs. And I do want to urge everybody who has qualified for the fee assistance program, uh, we do have secondary applications for some of the schools. Uh, reach out to those schools and let them know that you are a fee assistance program recipient and they will work with you to reduce or eliminate that uh, secondary application fee altogether. Awesome. Uh, so don't think, don't think that just because TMDSAS uh, doesn't look at fee assistance programs or offer a fee assistance um, that the individual schools will not because uh, they definitely will. All right. Um, you have your own podcast. It's part of the MedEd Media Network, which is yeah. the, the network that uh, all of these podcasts are on. Talk about your podcast. Where can students find it? Sure. Uh, we are the Insight Health Education Podcast. Uh, and it's available at insighthealtheducation.com. We do discussions kind of like this with our member institutions, with health professions advisors. Uh, if I could plug, we got a couple coming up later this month as part of our Courage session, live Q&A. Uh, we have a session with two health professions advisors talking about preparing your application during COVID. So many canceled uh, activities, so many weird things that happened over the past year. We're making sense of it and helping you prepare for the application. That's taking place on Wednesday, February 17th at 1 p.m. Central Time on the TXHES Facebook page. Uh, and then the other one, of course, is going to be Baylor College of Medicine, where we can actually get the exact number on how many students they can accept from in-state versus out-of-state. That's one of the questions I'll be asking them. Uh, so their team will be joining us for the Courage session on Wednesday, February 23rd at 2 p.m. Central Time. Awesome. Tons of great resources. Everyone needs to go check it out. Baylor College of Medicine, welcome to TMDSAS. We did it. Balloon drop and we'll CG it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you have it. Again, that was Enrique Hasso from TMDSAS, talking about Baylor College of Medicine changing over to TMDSAS. So I'm excited for that. Now I want to talk about the MCAT Minute. I'm excited uh, as this episode's coming out. We are a week away from MCAT registration opening up. If you are in the eastern United States, application or MCAT registration opens up on the 17th at noon Eastern. If you are west of the eastern United States, again, look at the map. Um, the, just, just Google MCAT registration, AAMC, and you'll see the purple and tealish map that'll show you what states you need to, to pay attention to. Uh, but if you're not 
in the eastern United States, then you will be registering on the 18th. So I'm excited for that. If you want more news about the MCAT, go check out blueprintprep.com. They are the sponsor of our MCAT Minute. As you are preparing to register for the MCAT, you need to know how to best prepare for the MCAT, and that is with blueprintprep.com. They have the best third-party MCAT full-length exams out there. You, you can get up to 10 of them, which is amazing, and you can get the first one for free as well as a half-length diagnostic. Again, go to blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.